0: Well, again, a warm welcome to all of you, and a special welcome uh, to our guests who are with us today for worship. We're so glad you're here, and we welcome you uh, in gratitude and thanksgiving as we enter into this season of Thanksgiving. I know many of you are preparing to welcome family on Thursday or one of the days, and some of you may be traveling, and some of you may have small groups, large groups. Uh, uh, We're just grateful and pray that this is a beautiful week for you and a beautiful season. As I said earlier today, we, uh, we are continuing our sermon series, Blessed, and over these last weeks, we have been spending time in Scripture learning about what does it mean to be blessed. Two weeks ago, we celebrated All Saints Day, remembered those who gone before us to glory, but also the saints in our midst. We read from the Beatitudes, and we heard what it means to be blessed and how blessed people are often saints to us and encourage us in our faith journey. Then last week, we talked about the one way to be blessed is to be prepared, to be open and, and, and be alert to God's call on our lives. Where is Jesus leading us? And we heard the story of the ten bridesmaids. Five were prepared and five were not, and how that was important to provide light along the path for the bridegroom and the celebration. Today, we encounter an interesting passage from the Gospel of Luke. We've spent most of our time in the Gospel of Matthew. But today we're going to shift to Luke, the third Gospel. You'll remember Luke also wrote the book of Acts. And Luke, uh, in writing uh, his Gospel and telling the stories of Jesus, it has a deep affinity for those on the margins, a deep affinity for women in leadership, and often is speaking about the poor. And so you'll see those in the stories, and you'll see that uh, even today, that those on the outer Uh, realm of society are invited in to full fellowship and a full community. So it's a wonderful day to think about one of the ways we are blessed is to be grateful. And the final story of the healing of the 10 lepers uh, really helps us to see this deep commitment to be grateful to God. Will you pray with me? Gracious God, we thank you for this beautiful day. We've been abundantly blessed already by an amazing sunrise. We've been blessed to wake up and get out of bed and to have a meal and to be here today to worship you, to see opportunities for service, to relish in the music and celebration of this day and to experience the power of your Holy Spirit. We pray, God, now that as we encounter the, the challenging teachings of Luke and then this amazing story of healing, that we might be open to what you would say to us today. Too often, God, we spend time thinking about what we don't have or we find the worst case scenario. But today, you invite us to be people of gratitude and gratefulness of thanksgiving. And for that, uh, we give thanks. So as we prepare for this season and for this holiday, especially on Thursday, we pray, God, that our hearts would indeed be thankful. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So... um, I don't know, I've said this before, but I'll say it again. I I grew up in a a household and family with a mother that demanded us uh, to write thank you notes, right? Maybe you had a mom or dad like that. And I'm not saying just a few thank you notes. Everything that we were given, everything that happened for us, whatever, my mother would say, well, don't you think you need to write a thank-you note? And, and almost every Sunday evening or maybe Monday night, we would gather at the kitchen table. My mother kept a huge box of thank-you notes, and she would bring those down, and we knew it was time uh, to write these thank-you notes. So we, we wrote thank-you notes related to uh, sports events we were a part of, our youth group in church, 4-H, I could go on and on about the many different thank you notes we wrote, and especially to family members. So if we ever received a gift at our birthday or received a gift of Christmas or went to my grandmother's for Thanksgiving, we all had to write a thank you note giving thanks uh, for what had happened. And in fact, my mom got a little crazy. For a while, if we received a card from somebody, we responded with a thanks, a little over the top, right? So, though I'm grateful that my mom instilled in us a spirit of gratitude, a spirit of thankfulness. And even today, uh, I have a box of thank you notes and try to stay on top of giving gratitude and and being reminded of the blessings that I've received through many of you and through others. When my mom passed away in January, uh, we'd already experienced this a little bit with my dad, but my mom, when she passed away, uh, we were kind of finishing things out and realized you know, you know how this is. If you've been through the loss of a loved one, you have to write thank you notes, right? And for memorials, for gifts, for food, for support, for flowers. There were all kinds of things. And, and, and in a way to kind of wrap things up quickly, I just said to my brother and sister, I'll take the thank you notes, right? I'll just do the thank you notes. My sister, was, I should have listened. She said, are you sure about that? And I said, well, there can't be that many. But there were, right? There were a ton of them. And so uh, that later that night, before we uh, dispersed to come back to our, rec- our homes, uh, at the hotel, we sat down and began to make this final thank you list, and it was extremely long, right? And my sister said, are you sure? And I said, I got this. But internally, I was like, I'm going to lose the use of my hand when this is over, right? So when I returned uh, here, I, I tried to every day write 10 to 15 thank you notes, And um, at first it was kind of a labor, like I said, oh, what did I think of? You know, could I just send an email? But I heard my mother saying, nobody wants an email, right? They want a written card. And so I I just tried to get those done, right? But as I continued to see the list and think about people, some of whom I knew, some of whom I knew as a child, some who were family members, some I didn't know, some were friends of my siblings, I, I got deeply moved about this spirit of gratitude. And though I had deep grief in the loss of my mom, there was something healing about offering thankfulness to those who had surrounded us. Amen? And you probably know that experience as well. One of the things I committed to, though I'd already been doing it a little bit, was out of that experience in January, I decided that whenever someone did something amazing for me, I was going to respond with an intentional word of gratitude. And specifically, I decided that would be around people who served me a meal, checked me out at a store, did something good for me at the doctor's office, whatever it might be, that I would be more intentional than I had been in being grateful. And so it didn't take long, a couple of weeks after that commitment I was at Target on, in, in Wheeling, you know, on Lake Cook. I just confess, I spend way too much time there, amen. And uh, so I was at Target in Wheeling, and I, I, I was going through self-checkout. Uh, I hate self-checkout, amen. I literally hate it. I mean, there's a reason I didn't work for a grocery store in high school, right? I, I'm not good at bagging. I break eggs. It's not good, Right. And so I was trying to figure out how to check out, how to enter my number, how to find the coupon on my phone. You know, you basically have to be a miracle worker to get out, right? And uh, so I'm working all this, and it's not going well, and I'm clearly backed up. And this young man named Chris uh, came and said, can I help you? And I said, "I I don't know if it's even possible. And so he began to help me navigate the complexity. So he found the coupon, ding, ding, all right. He helped me enter my number because you have to do that for your credits. And then he said, let, let me just help you pack the bags together. Now, that was really sweet, right? And so he did. And, and, and so he helped me get some things in, and I kind of figured it out. And then I checked out. And, of course, he came back over and said, have you got this? And I said, I do. Thank you so much. And as I carried my bags out to my car, I thought okay, this is an opportunity to say thank you. So uh, I, I take a real receipt. I know that's not what all of us do, but I pulled out the receipt, and as I sat in the front seat of my car, there was the number for the Target Wheeling store. And so I dialed the number, and after navigating a number of options, <laughs> lots of options, I finally got an operator, and I said, hey, she said, how can I help you? And I said, I'd like to talk to the manager. And you can imagine there was a deep sense of silence. Uh, the manager? I said, yes. Any manager? I said, I'll take any manager. Were you just in the store? Yes. So you want to talk to the manager? Yes. they're all panicked, right? And I said, I want to talk to the manager. So after quite a bit of interesting music, uh, a timid voice, a woman came onto the phone and she said, yes, can I help you? I think she was braced for an, you know, a, a barrage of complaint, right? And I said, "Hey, I, my name is James. I was just in the store." And she said, did things go wrong? And I said, no, actually, things went really well. And I just wanted to thank you so much for such good employees. And I want you to know that Chris and self-checkout helped me because I was confused. And he got me through it. And he helped me pack my bags. And I said, it's not been a good day. And he made it a good day. And I just want to thank you for this store and every good experience I have here. And I just want to thank you. And there was some silence. And then there was clearly some emotion. I could hear it. And as she spoke, her voice cracked, and she said, we just never get these kind of calls. Really, never. And she said, I'll talk to Chris, and you've made my day, and thank you so much for calling. Usually when I'm called to the phone, it's not a good experience, amen? And she thanked me profusely, and then we hung up. And I have to tell you that as I sat in the front seat of my car in the parking lot at the Target store in Wheeling, it broke my heart, right? It broke my heart that, that the expectation is not gratitude, but the expectation is heavy critique, right? It, and certainly there are times to hold people accountable, amen, right? But it just was interesting how shocked and surprised and unbelievable it was for her to receive a call of gratitude. So it challenged me to keep doing that and so I have, whenever anything goes well, I try to take the time to call the number, ask for the manager, and almost every time there's the manager? Because there's this fear that it's going to be a barrage of complaint. And then there's this deep sense of relief and joy and people just start, they're almost giddy. Like I feel like I could learn tons of things from them because they're just so ready to talk because they never get that kind of thankfulness. So It says to us as the church that we have an opportunity, amen? We have an opportunity to be a word of gratitude, a word of grace, a word of blessing to others. If you have your Bible, I invite you to turn in the New Testament uh, to the Gospel of Luke. It's the third Gospel, and we're going to be looking at chapter 17. Now, before I get to the beautiful story of Thanksgiving, Uh, As we chose the passage today, we wanted to spend time in the first verses of 17. What I want to say to you is, all the way back in chapter 9, verse 51, we hear that Jesus has now decided to begin his journey to the holy city of Jerusalem. In fact, it says, Jesus turned his head toward Jerusalem. And what that means is that Jesus is beginning the journey to Jerusalem, which will ultimately be the place of passion, his passion and crucifixion. So Jesus knows it's now time to turn away from the journey in Galilee and now make the journey to Jerusalem. But I have to tell you, that that was it. late in chapter 9. For all these next chapters, we're still traveling to Jerusalem. And if you're looking for a straight, efficient travel plan, you're not going to get that from Jesus. In fact, I think Jesus' GPS was broken. Amen, right? And he never heard of Google Maps, right? Because he's traveling all over from Galilee and encountering all kinds of people, including, get ready, he's traveling through Samaria. Now, I know you know the rules about Samaria, right? The Samaritans, we've heard that word before. The Samaritans were uh, kind of the descendants of the northern kingdom of Israel. Remember, uh, after King Solomon, uh, the kingdom divided, remember? And a few tribes went south and created the kingdom of Judah with the capital of Jerusalem. And then the northern folks went north and created their own kingdom, the kingdom of Israel. And you'll know eventually the Assyrians who are, were a kind of headquartered in present-day Iraq, uh, grew as a mighty empire and eventually wiped out the northern kingdom. They put many of them in exile. They intermarried. And what resulted during Jesus' time was a whole region between Galilee and Jerusalem called Samaria. And because the Samaritans still held on to some Torah law, but they were basically uh, intermixed and not clean according to Jewish law, they were considered pariahs and you were not supposed to spend time, touch, interact or be in relationship with a Samaritan. And really you should travel around Samaria and not through but Jesus as I said, didn't have that rule clear in his GPS like avoiding tools and so he came on through right And that's where we are today. The, the, these, these lessons before the parable of the lepers is really important. Uh, Jesus is instructing his disciples, which means as Luke is writing this, he's instructing the church. So hear these words. Occasions for stumbling, or as you heard in the reading from Wanda, occasions for sinning, are bound to come. So Jesus acknowledges to disciples that there will be opportunities for you to stumble. There will certainly be times that you sin and miss the mark. That's going to be a part of life. But then he says this. But woe to anyone by whom they come. So then there's this warning. Yes, we're all going to be tempted to sin. Some of us will. But woe to those who lead folks to sin. You see what I'm saying? And then he says this. It's kind of hard. It would be better for you if a millstone, that's a huge rock, were tied around your neck and you were thrown into Lake Michigan. Right? That's hard, right? He says, you don't want to be one who causes someone to stumble. It would be better for you to be thrown in a lake with a huge stone around your neck. And and we know that as he's teaching the church and as he's teaching the disciples that this must have happened, right? This must have happened or will happen where someone in the church caused someone to stumble or caused someone to sin and, and so forth. And so he's saying, woe unto you. This is not what you want to be about. You want to be lifting people up, not leading people to stumble. And and you know how that goes. I know it never happens here, but uh, a church I served, they had an amazing kitchen, and uh, there was a woman who cleaned that kitchen every week and had a lot of rules about how the kitchen should be kept, and maybe you've been in that circumstance before. But as the church grew and new people joined, we wanted to expand the ministry and give people opportunities for service. And two women who had joined the church and were new to the faith actually had been baptized. Um, they wanted to serve in the kitchen, and so I spoke to the person, and and she seemed agreeable. And I said, so occasionally these women are going to help and assist, and sometimes clean the kitchen, and and they'll be of, of help to you. Uh, after their first time, they came to me and said, we're deeply hurt. And then I learned that they had cleaned the kitchen. But they hadn't met the expectations of this woman. And so as they were leaving, she said, well, it looks like I'm going to have to do this myself. Now, let's be honest, friends. That happens where we say and do things that cause people to stumble. And sometimes we do or say things that cause people to actually enter into sin. And Jesus warns the disciples and leaders of the church that indeed, woe unto you uh, when we cause folks to sin. And so I, I find that deep conviction, and, 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 and sometimes I, I really am reflecting that the weak are our main concern, and we need to be aware of that. Be on your guard, and if another disciple sins, you must rebuke or confront the offender. That's part of being in life together, probably not to do that publicly, but uh, privately. And if there is repentance, you must forgive. Remember, we're about forgiveness. Now, forgiveness is not always forgetting, amen, amen. And forgiveness doesn't mean we stay in unhealthy relationships, amen. But Jesus is reminding us that as disciples and followers, we are about forgiveness. We're about forgiveness. And this is where it gets tough for me. Are you ready? Here it goes. And if that same person sins against you seven times a day and turns back to you seven times a day and says, I repent, I, I seek your forgiveness, you must forgive. I don't bet you, that's hard for me, Right? I can handle one, maybe two, but he's saying seven, and you know it's symbolic. It's just endless forgiveness that Jesus is calling us to, but he's setting the stage for what it means to be a disciple. And so, uh, he says, "You must forgive." So, uh, interestingly enough, the apostles or the disciples respond to him and says, "Well, then increase our faith, increase our faith, because some of them are wondering whether they have the faith to be able to lead." this life of following Jesus and being forgiving and not be a stumbling block to others. And Jesus replies in kind of an interesting way. He says, if you had the faith the size of a mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it would obey you. Now, it's interesting here. uh, One way to understand if is conditional, but it's really not that. The Greek here is, if you had faith, and you do right he's saying you do have enough faith then you could say to this mulberry tree uh, plant yourself in the sea and it would that's the kind of faith you already have so there's an affirmation of the disciples the apostles the church that you do have enough faith to make this work it's interesting in Matthew and Mark uh, Jesus says if you have this faith of a mustard seed which is super small right super duper super super small right um, that if you have this faith in Matthew and Mark, you can move a mountain into the sea. And some scholars say it's interesting that Luke quotes a mulberry tree, and the Greek root of that is also a fig tree. But in Luke, Jesus says a lot about figs as fruit of the Spirit, fruit of ministry, uh, all of that stuff. So maybe, maybe Luke's a tree guy. I don't know. Maybe he owns a nursery. I don't know, right? Uh, but the deal is it's all about you do have the faith to be able to do this. The next part is kind of hard for me. It's an interesting lesson before this story of gratitude. Who among you would say to your slave or servant who has just come in from plowing or tending the sheep in the field, come here at once and take your place at the table with me? Would you rather not say to him, well, now prepare supper for me. Put your apron on and serve me while I eat and drink, and later you may eat and drink. Do you thank the slave for doing what was commanded of them? So you also, when you have done all that you were ordered to do, say, we are worthless slaves or servants, and we've done only what we ought to have done. Anybody struggle with that? That's a little hard, right? I mean, when he says, if your servant came in after a long day, wouldn't you say, hey, join me at the table, and let's have a meal together. But he says, no, you wouldn't do that. You'd say, well, now you need to go in the kitchen and do what you're supposed to do and make a meal for me and serve me. And then when it's over, then you can eat yourself. That sounds a little hard to me, right? But what Jesus is trying to teach the church and the disciples and apostles is that service is service is service. And when we ever begin to believe that we can bank credit for the service we've done for others, we miss the mark, right? Being a servant is being a servant. There are no miles to acquire, there's no bonus points, there's no place of arrival. The reality is if we're servants to the master, to Jesus, we're always in a default of service. That's hard, but it reminds us because sometimes in the church I hear this, I know you would never say this, well, I've served all I can serve, it's now time for me to take a break, right? Well, Jesus says, "Uh, no, that's not true, right? Or, I've done a lot of good things here, so now I just kind of want to sit back. And Jesus says, no, we're all about servanthood because servanthood is servanthood. So I know you've enjoyed these immense and amazing lessons, amen. But let's now look at this story about gratitude. So as I reminded you early on, uh, in in verse 11, it's repeated again. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus is going through the region between Samaria and Galilee. So Jesus is traveling this kind of in and out uh, travel. And as he entered a village, a village that's unnamed, Ten lepers approached him, and Wanda's translation is probably even better. Ten with a skin disease approached him. Now what's interesting is, according to the law in Leviticus in the Old Testament, chapters 13 and 14, which you can read today over lunch, you will learn a lot about skin diseases and what it means to be unclean. But it could have been anything. Probably wasn't Hansen's disease, what leprosy as we know it today. Uh, it could have been, but most likely it was any skin disease, eczema, acne, anything. And anytime that appeared, you were deemed unclean, and that put you outside the circle of worship, synagogue, community, and family. And often, lepers would then clump together and live in community or colonies uh, to support themselves because they had nowhere else to turn. So Jesus has entered this village, and 10 lepers, or 10 men with. Uh, skin disease approach him and keeping their distance because they know the law keeping their distance they called out saying jesus master have mercy on us the word master is important they have a sense of who jesus is Uh, often lepers would live near the entrances of villages so they could ask for charity support food money Uh, but they have a sense that this one entering is different now there's no big healing, a miracle, no thunder, lightning, uh, amazing show. CNN misses it. They don't cover it. You know what I'm saying? There's no tweet about it, right? Jesus just says to them, go and show yourselves to the priests. And you and I both know, because we read Leviticus 14 a lot, that that's the law, that if you are clean and you have been healed, the way to get deemed officially clean is to show yourself to the So. Jesus just does what the law requires. And he says, go and show yourselves to the priest. So those 10 folks went. And they were on their way to the priest to make sure that they were clean. And as they traveled, all 10 of them were healed. They were made clean. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. He prostrated himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. So what's interesting the ten are on their way, just as Jesus commanded. They suddenly realize they've been cleaned and healed. They've been restored. And they continue on their journey to see the priest, because that's what Jesus told them to do. But one of them, as he sees it, is so deeply moved that, according to one translation, he stopped dead in his tracks, turned around, went back to Jesus, threw himself at Jesus' feet. Which, is, you see the boundary issue? There's no keeping distance here, right? And he thanks Jesus profusely as he's praising God with a very loud voice. And this is pretty amazing. And then the twist. Are you ready? He was a Samaritan. Now, we, here we're like, okay, whatever, you know. But that was a big deal. It was like he was from Texas, you know what I'm saying? Oh, my gosh, right? I mean, uh, he, he was a Samaritan. And then Jesus says something interesting. Were there not ten healed? Did the other nine not come back and give gratitude? And so it's interesting that Jesus, though he told them to go to the priest, is kind of moved by the fact that the Samaritan has returned not only to give thanks, but to praise God profusely, right? Why is the Samaritan with the nine Jewish folks, right? Well, when you have a disease and you're cast out, sometimes you clump together with people you normally wouldn't. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes you support each other in ways you wouldn't otherwise because you've been banned, right? You're on the edges. And remember, Luke's all about the people on the edges. Now, what's interesting, Jesus concludes this whole thing by doing something very fascinating. He says, Get up and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. In many ways, Jesus takes the role of the priest, right? He takes the role of the priest. He says this person has been restored. But it's interesting, it's more than healing. Your faith has made you well. Or in one translation, are you ready? Your faith has saved you. It's the same word he says to Zacchaeus when Zacchaeus has his major transformation and commits to follow Jesus. Not only has this one been healed, amen, This person has experienced salvation, restoration, and the love and grace of God. Amen? Right? His life has been changed because he entered into the journey in a spirit of gratitude and thanksgiving. So I challenge you over the next six weeks... As we come to the end of 2023, as we enter into this season of Thanksgiving, it's going to be easy this week because many of you have the tradition, I'm sure I have, where before we eat all that wonderful food, we go around and say one thing we're thankful for, amen. And that's beautiful, right? But I would, I would really challenge you over the next six weeks to see opportunities each day for you to offer an intentional word of gratitude or thank you to people that you normally would not right it's easy to thank your spouse it's easy to thank your family but there are people all the time offering themselves as servants care support whatever it may mean to each of us and what would it mean for us to be intentional to be intentional about being grateful and especially as we enter into the season after uh, Thursday which begins on that unbelievable day called Black Friday right you know what I'm saying There's not a lot of gratitude on Black Friday, amen? So what would it mean if you were the exception, if you're shopping, if you're at a restaurant, Friday's going to be a tough day. And what would it mean over the next weeks? Instead of being in a high level of what you expect, you're in a high level of what you're grateful for, amen? It could really change the world. It could change somebody's life. I was at Target again a few weeks ago. I told you I was there a lot. I don't have much of a social life, amen, right? And uh, someone helped me find something I could not find. And I finally had to go to them and say, I can't find this thing. And, and, of course, it's one of those embarrassing moments where they walk down the aisle and right there it is. Right, But the person didn't shame me, which I'm very grateful for. Because sometimes you'd go in a store and they go, well, it was right here. But he said, oh, you might have missed it, but it's right here. And then he got it off the shelf for me, and he put it in my basket, and is this what you were looking for? And then he walked me all the way up to the checkout stand. And when I got in the car, I took out the receipt, and I called the number. It's in my phone now. And I said, "Uh, can I speak to the manager? The manager? I said, yeah, I'd like to speak to the manager. Can I talk to the manager? Any manager? I said, I don't care which manager it is. I just want to talk to the manager. Uh, okay. And then the voice comes on. Hello? And I said, is this the manager? And I think in many ways she wanted to say, no, it is not, right? And she said, yeah, it's the manager. I said, I just want to thank you for this person who made my day by helping me find something I couldn't find and took care of me all the way out of the store. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. It changed my whole day. And for you and for this store, I give thanks. And her voice broke. And she said, we just rarely get calls like this. Let us be the exception to that. May the Target and Wheeling or Palatine or Barrington or wherever, may they begin to say, yeah, we get these calls all the time. Of people being grateful.